Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it's time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. We welcome you today to worship with us by receiving the Word of God. Amen. Uh, we don't have an entire service to offer you today, but we have the, the, the meat of the Word of God. You know, the Scripture said that Paul went to people that he couldn't feed them with meat, so he gave them meat milk and he spoke that to their shame. He said, when you should be out teaching others, witnessing to others, you still have need that someone teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. A friend of mine, it is time that we graduate, if you haven't yet, from milk to meat. Uh, you can't stay a baby and win victories. You have to become mature in Christ. In fact, you need to become a spiritual warrior with spiritual armor that you might be able to come overcome a spiritual adversary that appeals to the weakness of our flesh through a system called the world. This is a fallen world. We live in a faulty body. We have a formidable foe in the devil. Make no mistake about that. But we have a faithful father. Hallelujah. And the scripture is very clear. It's not about who's against us or or how weak or strong we are in our resolve. It's about who is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We want to make sure that God is for us today. That is the supreme issue of all victory in the Christian life. Amen. So we're going to be talking today about three steps to true prosperity. A true prosperity is different from just the materialistic, humanistic, uh, everything is for me and the gratification of my flesh uh, prosperity message. That is not the biblical definition <laughs> of prosperity. In fact, it's this. It, one of the most frequently quoted scriptures about prosperity is, is the greeting of the Apostle Paul. I wish above all things that you be in good health and prosper as your as your as your soul prospers in direct relation to your spiritual development and maturity. Amen. God can trust you with more things. Amen. If he can if if you are not in it to get those things, if it won't lead you away uh, from the kingdom being first in your life. Amen. So let's talk about this. Three steps to true, pro true prosperity out of Job 22 verses 21 through 30. And uh, beginning uh, with this statement I want to make. True prosperity involves submission, obedience, and repentance. That's what's going to bring biblical, spiritual prosperity. That, that is going to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil in the name of Jesus today. Make no mistake, God wants to bless you today, but He wants to bless you spiritually first. Amen. So let's get in the Word of God today and see what is brought to us here in the book of Job, chapter 22, verses 21 through verse 30. It says, Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Therefore good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thy heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, 
thou shalt put far away iniquity from thy tabernacles. And the result of submission, obedience, and repentance, <laughs> thou shalt lay up gold as dust. The gold of Ophir is the stones of the brook. Do you know what that means? You're going to get a spiritual value system. Amen. It doesn't mean you're going to have so much gold that you're going to be laying it up. No, it means you're going to see gold in light of the kingdom of God. And, and, and you're going to say, you know something? This, this means nothing without my soul prospering. This, this blessing of gold means that just no more than dust. You know what Paul said? He said, I, 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 everything I thought was gained to me, I count it as but dung, that I might win Christ and know Christ. Friend of mine, a value system has shifted. There's been a paradigm shift in a value system for him to begin to talk that way. Listen, and the you'd lay up gold as just dust, and the gold of Ophir is the stones of the brooks. Now, that doesn't mean God isn't going to bless you materially. Listen. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, not your silver and gold and all of your material possessions and the power and fame that may come through that. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. God said, listen, if you get your values straightened out and I can trust you, I'll take care. I know you have needs. I'll give you everything you need, amen, in this world, and, and, and you'll be right with me in the process. <laughs> Hallelujah. For then, listen, for then thou shalt have... Then thou shalt have thy delight in the Almighty, and thou shalt lift up thy face to God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he'll hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine on all thy ways. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, and I want to say it to you this morning, there is lifting up. And he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent. And it's delivered by the pureness of thine hands. God is going to use us, you and me, amen, to reach out to others and comfort them with the same comfort wherein we are comforted of God. Hallelujah. The first step in the three steps to truth prosperity is submission. The second is obedience. The third is repentance. Listen, submission. Verse 21, according to one translation that is very accurate to the Hebrew, says, submit to God. Acquaint thyself with him. Not just get to know him, but surrender to him. Listen, submit to God. Be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Good shall come to you. The beginning point in a life of obedience is submission. It's an attitude of the heart that produces an obedient life. The tension between our will and God's will is relieved, bringing peace in our relationship with Him. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 165. It said, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. <laughs> A translation says, and I like it, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. See, being right with God relieves the tension, bringing peace and courage 
and confidence. Listen to Isaiah 32 and verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, being right wise with God, listen, quietness and assurance forever. (laughs) Glory be to God. Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. This is not a dread of God, but a recognition of His Lordship, a bowing to His authority because we honor Him. The fear of the Lord, translated in so many places in the Old Covenant, means deep deep reverence with awe, listen, and affection. It's not just dreading God. It is honoring God. Hallelujah. Listen to Proverbs 3, beginning with verse 19. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the depths are broken up. The clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they shall be life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. Then thou shalt walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, have you ever heard the scripture that says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you? Let me put it in context for you today. Amen. You can have the resolve to defeat the devil, all all the resolve you can muster. But I want you to know the devil is a spiritual foe. And he knows your heart because he sees and hears what is in your, your actions and your words. Listen, listen, the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He listens, he hears, he knows where your weaknesses are. Listen. God knows where they are, too, and God wants to shore you up. So it's not enough to have a holy resolve to not give in. We need to do something first and then stand strong. What is that, Pastor Venable? I'm glad you asked. It doesn't say just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It says submit unto God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. And that word flee, when we're submitted to God, that word flee means to run as in panic. And I've often said it. I'm going to say it again this morning. We're always talking about the devil coming against us. Let's get submitted to God and begin to truly obey him in all that he's spoken to us, all that Christ has said to us. If you if you haven't dealt with unforgiveness, don't even let the sun go down before you deal with it. Give no ground to the devil. Don't give any place to him. Submit yourself unto God. Whatever it is that we have not obeyed, it's time we submit unto God and become obedient to him. Amen. Can you agree with me? Amen. Every Christian should have a heart to obey. You'll have a struggle with it. Your flesh is going to have to be crucified in order to do it. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Praise God. It's robbing the devil of a weak weak area chink in your armor today. 
Hallelujah. Submit yourself unto God and then resist the devil. He has no choice but to flee from you because God then is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Praise God. Listen, it brings us to a life of obedience when we are submitted to God. Listen to Job twenty-two twenty-two. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. You see, dear friend, peace comes through submission, blessing through obedience. And it is submission that brings us to this place of obedience. Listen to James 1, 22 through 25. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed or in his obedience. His obedience in particular to the word of God. Do you see that? We've got too many forgetful hearers that go to church and hear the word of God and they see that they need to correct this area. They sins of omission and commission and and yet they walk away without dealing with it. Friend of mine, we can't keep doing that, especially not now. We must be in the correct posture before the Lord. Amen. I like the Amplified of verse 23. It says, But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and preserves, perseveres rather in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience. Praise God. Amen. Submission and obedience. Hallelujah. I like what Andrew Boner says. It's not the importance of the thing, but the majesty of the lawgiver that is to be the standard of obedience. Some indeed might reckon such minute and arbitrary rules, arbitrary rules uh, to be trifling, but the principle involved in obedience or disobedience was none other than the same principle which was tried in Eden at the foot of the forbidden tree. It is really this. Is the Lord to be obeyed in all things whatsoever He commands? Is He a holy lawgiver? Are His creatures bound to give implicit assent to His will? And friend of mine, I want you to know that God honors obedience because obedience honors God. I like the true story. I'm a dog person. Amen. I saw a sign on a bumper sticker on a big old pickup truck and said, the more people I meet, the more I love my dog. Well, he's called man's best friend for a reason. Listen to this about faithfulness. How we admire the obedience a dog shows to its master. 
Archibald Rutledge wrote that one day he met a man whose dog had just been killed in a forest fire. Heartbroken, the man explained to Rutledge how it happened. Because he worked out of doors, he often took his dog with him. That morning, he left the animal in a clearing and gave him a command to stay and watch his lunch bucket while he went into the forest. His faithful friend understood, for that's exactly what he did. Then a fire started in the woods, and soon the blaze spread to the spot where the dog had been left. But he didn't run from the fire. He didn't move. He stayed right where he was, in perfect obedience to his master's word. With tearful eyes, the dog's owner said, I always had to be careful what I told him to do because I knew he would do it. Isn't it amazing that an animal's love for his master could bring such obedience? Something may be lacking in the Christian life in our love for our master, especially when it comes to obedience. Every Christian or non-Christian, for that matter, will be brought to a crisis of obedience, a valley of decision. Someone said in the old choice, it is the old choice which still is presented to every soul. The old crisis which reappears in every experience, Caesar or Christ, that is the question. The vast, attractive, skeptical world with all its pleasures and ambitions and its prodigal promise, or the meek, majestic, and winning figure of Him, Jesus Christ. The election remains for each of us, and the moment of the election in the shaded and solemn valley of decision will be memorable in our history when suns for us have ceased to shine. Friend of mine, every person comes to places to where we will obey God or we will not to obey God. God honors obedience because obedience honors God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I love the story. John Kenneth Galbraith, in his autobiography, A Life in Our Times, illustrates the devotion of Emily Gloria Wilson, his family's housekeeper. It had been a weary day, and I a weary day, and I asked Emily to hold all telephone calls while I had a nap. Shortly thereafter, the phone rang. Lyndon Johnson was calling from the White House. Get me Ken Gilbreth. This is Lyndon Johnson. He's sleeping, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. No, Mr. President, I work for him, not you. When I called the president back, he could scarcely control his pleasure. He said, tell that woman I want her here in the White House. Now, I don't know where the story goes from there. But listen, you're going to have to decide who you work for, who your loyalties are to. 
It doesn't matter if someone is offering you, and the devil will offer you the kingdoms of this world. He offered them to Jesus, and Jesus flatly turned them down. We ought to flatly turn down everything the devil offers if it takes us one, one, one millisecond away from, or one, one, one inch away from obeying God and serving Him. We should have a master that we're submitted to because we have a master that we are committed to. We should gladly embrace the scripture to become a disciple of Jesus. Deny thyself, take up thy cross, and follow me. If you're in the valley of decision, that means you're on the fence. You can go one way or the other. And God wants you to go the right way today so he can he can legally be for us. And if God be for us, that is the issue. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. Because God will fight our battles and God will defeat our adversaries through us and for us. Praise God. So this this idea that is coming, that, listen, this is true prosperity. I'd rather have a meal barrel with God's blessing that has a little in it but never goes empty than have a full meal barrel that the world is offering me that suddenly can go empty with no remedy. Friend of mine, the stock market failed one time. It may fail again. If it does, people that are rich and powerful could become paupers overnight. But my faith is not in a full meal barrel. My faith is in a meal barrel with a little bit in it that every time I take some out, God puts some back in. Hallelujah. Do you see what I'm saying today? Amen. Submission, obedience, and repentance. Job twenty-two twenty-three. It says, If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Submission leads us to obedience, and obedience will always bring us to a place of decision, a place of repentance. Repentance is man's response to God's mercy. It is the courage to begin again. Someone has said repentance is a new commitment to live a life of obedience. In the Old Testament, repentance is demonstrated in the phrase, Return unto me. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what he promised? Return unto me and I will reciprocate. I will return to you. Hallelujah. I believe what we need to have a revival is submission, obedience, and repentance. Hallelujah. Because of the pull of the world and the weakness of our flesh, we can find that we have drifted from God, drifted from obedience, drifted from the kind of love that brings full submission unto Him. This is a true story. There's a bright Sunday morning in the 28th century London. But Robert Robertson's move, mood was anything but sunny. All along the street, there were people hurrying to church. But in the midst of the crowd, Robinson was a lonely man. The sound of church bells reminded him of years past 
when his faith in God was strong and the church was an integral part of his life. It had been years since he set foot in the church, years of wandering, disillusionment, and gradual deflection from the God he once loved. That love for God, once fierce and fiery and passionate, had slowly burned out within him. See, he had lost the first love, leaving him dark and cold inside. Robinson heard the clip-clop, clip-clop of a horse-drawn cab approaching behind him. Turning, he lifted his hand to heal the driver. But when he saw the cab was occupied by a young woman dressed in finery for the Lord's Day, he waved the driver on. But the woman in the carriage ordered the carriage to be stopped. Sir, she said, I'd be happy to share this carriage with you. Are you going to church? Robinson was about to decline. Then he paused. Yes, he said at last, I'm going to church stepped into the carriage, sat down beside the young woman. As the carriage rolled forward, Robert Robinson and the woman exchanged introductions. There was a flash of recognition in her eyes when she stated his name. This is an interesting coincidence, she said. Reaching into her purse, she withdrew a small book of inspirational verse, opened it to a ribbon bookmark, and handed the book to him, I was just reading a verse by a poet named Robert Robinson. And the name of the poem was, Could It Be? He took the book nodding. Yes, I wrote those words years ago. Oh, how wonderful, she exclaimed. Imagine, I'm sharing a carriage with the author of these very lines. But Robinson barely heard her. He was absorbed in the words he was reading. They were words that would one day be set to music and become a great hymn of the faith, familiar to generations of Christians. Would you like to hear those words today? Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. His eyes slipped to the bottom of the page where he read, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The woman suddenly understood he could barely read the last few lines through tears that brimmed in his eyes. I wrote those words, and I've lived those words, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. And it wasn't too late for Robert Robinson. In that moment, he turned his heart back to God and walked with him all the rest of his days. Praise God. Friend of mine, it's not too late if your heart has wondered. If you have left your first love, you, you, know, you know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says, I know thy works to the church at Ephesus. He commended them for all the good things that they had done and were doing. But he said, I've got something against you. You've left your first love. He said, repent. 
Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do your first works, submission, obedience, and repentance. Hallelujah. Amen. Submission, obedience, and repentance. I don't know how repentance got such a bad spin, a negative uh, placed upon it. Because every time there was repentance, the mercy of God flowed, the pardon and forgiveness of God flowed, and restoration came. And how we need to be restored today. Oh, He restoreth my soul. How about yours today? It's not too late. You know, coming together. Forsake not the assembling yourselves together. That, that's to be obeyed. That, that, oh, I don't need church. I've got I, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Well, if you and Jesus got a thing going, then you need to be obedient to the Word of God. I'm going to put it to you plainly today. You're disobedient. Don't deny that. It's in the Word. Listen, where two or more gathered in my name, there am I. When do we gather? Where do we gather? We gather at church, dear friend. We can't write that off and have our own personal little devotional life. The hand does not say to the foot, we're all part of the body. I have no need of thee. You do need me, and I do need you. Oh, you're the pastor. You know, I need you to pray for me. I need you, and you need me, and we need one another. This is no time to go out on our own like a sheep that doesn't have a shepherd, that is walking and, and where there's no accountability. You may not like accountability, but dear brother, dear sister, you desperately need accountability to God, and we need to submit ourselves to God. And what? In terms of accountability, submit ourselves to one another. And if you will not receive correction, then you are on your own out there where all of the all of the predators are and you are a prey and the predators are looking for that sheep that is wandering alone doing its own thing out there somewhere the lion the bear the wolf the asp that comes out of the hole in the ground and bites the sheep on the nose when he's grazing comfortably in the field that's what it meant when the when the good shepherd would go and prepare that plateau, he would make sure there was no asp, no snake to bite the sheep before he brought them forward. Oh, friend of mine, today, if you're away from God, I pray you'll come back to God. And if you have never met the Lord, I pray that you will surrender your pride. You will submit your will. You will confess your sin. You will repent. And you will come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your personal Savior today. And today, once again, Christian, if you're in the valley of decision, you're on the fence. And it's time to make a decision. And if you need to come back to God, if you've drifted away, I'm calling you. And more than I am calling you, God is calling you. Come home, come home, ye that are weary, come home. Jesus put it this way, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find rest for your soul. That tension between you and God will come to a screeching halt. <laughs> Fellowship will be restored, and your sleep will be sweet tonight, <laughs> knowing that you're right with God and. He that keepeth Israel never slumbers asleep. God is watching over you, caring for you. You are not alone in your battles anymore. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, come to the Lord. Repent of your sin. Submit. Obey. Repent and be restored today. Hallelujah. God is getting a bride ready that is submitted and obedient and where necessary repentant, ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. We love you today. Come back and worship with us in the Word next Sunday. In Jesus' name.